Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, May 20th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited the Flyers alumni are doing another decade's live stream. That is so exciting. Yes, on Tuesday, it was the anniversary of the 74 Cup and so this week they're doing a reunion of some of the members of that team. I'm so excited to watch this one. Yeah, that, that's going to be a really good one. In the meantime, Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So if you subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes automatically downloaded to your phone or tablet or wherever you listen. We're here on the Locked on Sports Network, your team every day. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel. And I'm Danielle. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your first order. So it's Wednesday. Of course, that means it's our mailbag. So we'll dig into a bunch of questions kind of on our what if theme we've been doing for the last little bit. And then we will, of course, wrap up with our Flyers fun thing. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Tweet us your questions for our weekly mailbag, or just tell us what you think about how the Flyers did this past season. You can also email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. All right, Danielle, let's dig into this mailbag. The first question given that the Flyers are likely to pick at the 26th spot in the draft with point percentage. Uh, creating the rankings if they wind up doing this and there's no trades with active players allowed do you keep that pick or maybe try and trade it for future picks um you know if there's no trades for active players I absolutely keep the first pick um I yeah that just seems like pretty straightforward to me um again I come from the like mindset uh, of Ron Hextall that it's like important to have your first round pick. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily trade it. Um, and from everything that I've seen, I, the the draft should be a, a pretty good one, at least in the first round. So that's what I would do. Yeah, I think so too, especially because, I mean, everybody's in the same boat, right? So you just get the best you can possibly get in the current situation. And given that I think the Flyers would assume that they would be even better next season, that the pick wouldn't be as good, even though 26 isn't, you know, a a top pick. But like you said, this draft is pretty deep and they could probably get a really good prospect at that point. Yeah. Okay, so this one is digging back into the annals of bad Flyers decisions. (laughs) What if the Flyers don't do the JVR for Shen trade? Do you think they would have kept JVR at that time? Or do you think there was a different D-man they would trade for or they would try and get defense in a different way through a free agency signing or something like that. So I look, went back and looked um, at the available uh, defensemen at this time. And, 
you know, a part, a part of me wishes that, or no, I'll say a strong, a big part of me wants to say that they wouldn't trade JVR. But I think looking back then, um, that was just something that they, they wanted to do. I, I don't think that, um, where the Flyers were, they were trying to win and get back to, you know, the Stanley Cup final. So I, I feel like they were kind of ready to part ways with James or they wouldn't mind uh, treating him for uh, for an area of weakness. Um, and defense, obviously, was definitely a weakness for them back then. So I still see the, the JVR trade going through. It would have just been for a different defenseman. My only thing is that I don't know if there was a better defenseman on the market that would have justified the trade, if that makes sense. Um, Because looking at the uh, free agents on defense, no one is (laughs) someone I would have picked. Right. Well, so I think obviously the top guy that was available then was Ryan Suter, but he was going to go back to Minnesota and get paid an obscene amount of money. So that just wasn't a thing that was happening. And, And I think the only other kind of quality defenseman and I'm sort of hedging on the word quality there is Jason Garrison yeah but you know I think Jason Garrison is better than Luke Shen oh yeah yeah. I mean here's the thing the bar was on the floor (laughs) right I I just uh, I think it just burns us more than anything that they didn't get more, that it wasn't Luke Shen and a pick mm-hmm. or Luke Shen and another player, that it just so seems so lopsided and somehow there was smoke and mirrors and magic that made them think that Luke Shen was a quality NHL defenseman, yeah. and. I mean, it's tough, especially because Braden was on the team at the time. So you don't want to like say anything bad about the dude's brother. But <laughs> yeah, you don't. But still, at the same time, I I think even looking back, um, then it wasn't obviously it wasn't a good trade. So I, I don't know. It just shows how highly they viewed Chen and how you know how low they kind of viewed JVR. That it was just one for one, no picks, like you said. So. Unfortunately, I just think that JVR was was on the move regardless. Yeah, I think so too. It's um it's still real tough though, especially because as is sometimes the case with the Flyers, you end up getting that guy back later and it costing more somehow and they produce less, which, you know, jury's still out on what happens with JVR and especially given the expansion draft coming up. You know, who knows what will happen with that. But it just kind of feels like a total waste. All right. So here's another what if. And when the Flyers traded Bobrovsky, it was because of the awkward Brzezgalov, Bob kind of dynamic that they both clearly were number one goaltenders. And so they just put in their their money in the uh, Briz basket, which obviously did not pan out that great. But what if they had kept him and tried to make it work as a tandem? How do you think that would have played out? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, 
that's hard. I don't know if a tandem would have really worked because I think both guys had the mindset that they were starting number one goalies. And I don't even know, I can't remember like fully, but I think back then it wasn't really like a tandem. It was one goalie got the starts and the other was the backup. So I don't know how that situation would have worked, but I do know that Bob would have done pretty good for the Flyers. I mean, honestly, like thinking about all of the goaltending problems we've had uh, since they traded him, you know, looking, I like dug into some statistics and just looking at like where uh, Columbus defensive play was uh, in the time that they had Bobrovsky versus the Flyers. And honestly, the Flyers were better defensively just by like only a couple of points. And You know, I was looking at like the goals against and the goals against per 60. They were pretty, pretty much the same. So in that time that Bobrovsky was with the the Blue Jackets, he had like overall, I mean, it it varied some, but just like overall, he had like a, a 922 save percentage. And just imagining that for the Flyers who, you know, comparing all the goalies they had in that time, no one consistently, like no one was coming up that high, uh, in save percentage, um, so I, it just, it baffles me because I think that once, if they would have kept Bob, obviously Bob would have been the um, starting goalie and just the the down years wouldn't have been so bad. But we still would have been paying Briz like, yeah. all of that money for nothing, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So either way, I mean, I, I was going to say like, you know, the goaltending would have been better, but we also wouldn't have some of the key pieces that... Um, are on the roster today because of the goaltending being uh, better. So I don't know. I I, I really, I, personally, I don't know how it would uh, play out, but I do know that um, it's clear that there still would have been tension in, in the goaltending. And you're right. If we didn't suffer, um, you know, paying them both, you still have, you still gave Briz that big contract. So then we're eating up even more of the cap space, which we didn't really have back then. <laughs> That is very true. Yeah, I mean, I know that there was no way to actually make it work, like from a personnel perspective and from a cap perspective. You're totally right on that front. I'm just, you know, just trying to game that out. It's it's also kind of disappointing because when we made the trade and got, um, you know, some draft picks from Columbus in exchange for Bob, which was also not a first, we did not get a first round pick in exchange for him, uh, some later picks. Uh, and we picked up Anthony Stolars with one of those picks uh, in in the draft. And well, yeah. And he didn't pan out either. So <laughs> it's it's hard. It just it just seems like the Flyers get cursed with goaltending and like. Bob could have been something, but for this Briz decision and then, you know, continued fails in the draft side of things. No, you're right. I mean, the only way to swallow this pill is just to think that this all happened for us to get to Carter Hart, who is the real deal and who will help us and save this position because... Yeah, you think back on it, it really just, there was no bright light for the Flyers in this situation. No. But you know what else is the real deal? Built Bars. They are so good. 
It's a soft protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. And they have all these amazing flavors. They have chocolate, not chocolate, nut-free, anything that you like, they're going to have a flavor for you. And the best part is that they're healthy. Built Bar is great if you're looking to lose or maintain weight while you have a delicious treat. It's so crazy because it is a combination of low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and it has no crazy weird additives to it. So like if you compare Built Bar to other popular uh, protein bars, it has half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, and seven times fewer grams of sugar, and it ends up having more protein. The craziest part is that it tastes amazing. I don't know how that can be an all-in-one. They're so good. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so I think our friends over at Locked On Canadians just want to troll us <laughs> because they suggested that we discuss what if the Habs had drafted Claude Giroux, which they could have. They had the pick two picks prior to the Flyers that year in the, in the 20 spot. And they picked someone named David Fisher, who I've never heard of since. So... They could have had Claude Giroux. You know, to that question, I say, what if the Flyers drafted Cole Caulfield? You know, these are things that we want, but we just can't have. And we'll never really know what what would have happened if, if either of us would have drafted um, amazing players. So, yeah, you know, I guess it's kind of like a snooze you lose. It's true. And they, you know, your point about Cole Caulfield is well taken because, you know, maybe that will be their revenge. You know, they won't have a potential Hall of Famer in him. I don't think that's the case. But yeah. again, you never know. Uh, Claude Giroux, you know, picked it in the 22nd slot. They didn't really, like, remember who they picked. <laughs> I think oh, when they drafted geez. him. <laughs> but look at him now. Look at our captain now. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, looking at that draft in 2006 and the the few picks after, you know, like the late first round picks, I think Nick Felino is maybe the only guy you would want um, but I wouldn't want him more than Claude Giroux. That's for sure. Yeah, I think you're like definitely being very generous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would not want him over Claude Giroux, but I'm just saying he's yeah. the only other guy in that. Like, <laughs> that's still playing. That, you know, <laughs> of course, like Brad Marchand was picked in the third round in that draft, but nobody was going to you know, project him that high at that point. You know, there are good other good players in that draft that went much lower. But, you know, like Steve Mason was picked by the Columbus Blue Jackets in that draft. So there's a lot lots of diamonds in the in the lower rounds. But 
again, at that time, I think Claude Giroux was the right pick. And so, sorry, Montreal. He's ours. And uh, I know I mentioned Steve Mason and his draft selection. How do you feel about goaltending draft picks as far as rounds? Because I've been noticing they've been doing a lot of these redrafts on, you know, the NHL website and, you know, reshuffling around who would you pick now. And they put a lot of goaltenders in the top spot or in the top 10. And I just feel like it's a little disingenuous because, you know, nobody picks goalies that high anymore. It's it's just like an understood rule. And so if you're going to redo these drafts, you don't like I wouldn't include goaltending, moving them up that high because it's just not realistic in any way, shape, or form. So, how do you feel about that? Like, is there a policy you have about goaltending and using a first round pick on one, or do they have to get picked in later rounds? You know, I'm of the mindset that you pick for, for the best player available. Um. But I do agree that, you know, goaltending is like, who actually knows? It's it's kind of just like a crapshoot. You can have guys that were picked um, in the higher rounds that don't pan out, and you have guys that were picked in the lower, round, lower rounds that do pan out. Um, so that's always, you know, that's so hard to gauge, especially if you're drafting for need. Um, so I personally like to draft for, you know, best available player, um, in my mind, I think especially if you have a first round pick, you, you should try to get a skater. Um, so I necessarily wouldn't pick uh, a goaltender, uh, in the first round. But again, if the goalie that's left is one of the best, is the, the best, you know, hockey player available, then what are you going to do? So <laughs> that wasn't really an answer. <laughs> I guess like, I take the easy way out and do like, you know. No, I think that's a, a fair answer. You know, best available based on projection. It's much easier now to project skaters than it is goalies. And I, th- I think the stats are getting better on goalies and goalie analysis is getting better. But I just don't think we're there yet in order to be able to translate junior or college level goaltending into the pros in any meaningful way. So until we're a little bit further along on that front, I think teams will continue to use first round picks for skaters and at the earliest pick a goaltender in the second round. Yeah. And I think that's the right decision. Yeah. All right. Looking more generally, what is one thing you'd show someone who has never watched hockey that you think would get them to start watching hockey? (sighs) Uh, this is an interesting question to, for like how, where we are now. Um, you know, if you would have asked me when I first started watching hockey, I probably would have said fighting because it was so new to me and I couldn't believe that they actually let players fight each other, um, in like a professional hockey or a professional sport. Uh, but now I think I would... You know, I, it would have to be like Team North America, uh, like that McKinnon uh, shootout goal. I think that's one thing I would show a lot of people. Or 
the uh, Team USA World Juniors when they won gold. I actually got my best friend, who does not like hockey at all, to watch the whole tournament with me. And he fell in love with Team USA, just like we all should. Um, and uh, started watching hockey uh, afterwards. He didn't stick with it, but he definitely liked... He watches all the World Juniors now. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, and I think mine is along those lines of your World Juniors. But so I would actually make somebody watch the USA women's hockey game from Sochi. Oh, okay. And if I was being cruel, I would then make them wait four years and (laughs) and experience the pain and suffering and despair that I did low those many years and then watch the 2018 game. Right. So you have the agony, agony of defeat and the thrill of victory yeah. all in one. You get to see that rivalry, which to my knowledge and, and my opinion is the greatest rivalry in sports. So I and I just love the women's game. Obviously, the the skill level is so high and mm-hmm. that it's just you can tell those teams hate each other so oh, much. Yeah. So I just think it's super fun hockey, really fun, skilled competition. And, you know, assuming you're American, (laughs) you would be (laughs) happy with the 2018 outcome. But I think watching them back to back is really good because I think it's important to show just how close they were in 2014. And it just felt like it was ripped away from them. But then they were they managed to win it in 2018. So. And I mean, the taste of defeat is what makes the taste of success uh, that much better. It is. And, you know, hockey is pain sometimes. Oh, it really is. And I feel like you need to know that and you need to feel it. All right. And I think we'll wrap this up with a fun one. Danielle, have you ever had a pet? And if so, have you named it after a hockey player or hockey related thing? And if not, what would it be? So I have not had like a, an official pet. I had, well, I know I had one in college and it was a fish and we all named it sushi. So I did not name it after a hockey player, but I am always thinking about getting a dog and I have contemplated naming it after a hockey player. Um, I won't give all my secrets away, but one of them was uh, one of the ideas I was thinking about is naming him after Travis Konechny and just calling the dog Teeks because I just love that nickname. I think that's so fun, especially for a dog. That sounds like fun. I like that. I had um, well, I have a friend who named their cat Biscuits after Brent Seabrook, which I, <laughs> I thought was cute. That is a good one. I've had cats, but I have not named them after hockey-related things. I had, like, cats that were named after the Brontes, and then now my cat is named after Ellie Arroway from Contact. But if I were to, I'm a huge fan of people names for pets. I'm not generally somebody that likes, you know, Spot or Fuzzy or some, you know, some sort of like other word I like people names for pets and so I would probably like I like the idea of naming a pet Nolan after Nolan Patrick awesome that's a good one yeah 
And or I like just Travis too because obviously we have two Travises or Travi as the kids <laughs> name on the flyers. But I think both of those are really good pet names. I agree with you. All right, we are going to wrap things up as always with our flyers fun thing. And today I am bringing us since you know we were talking a lot about some draft what ifs and. I think that, you know, we appreciate Jake Voracek, but I just wanted to kind of dig back into his archives and look at his draft day because, you know, I think that given that we traded for him, we we didn't necessarily feel that full ownership of him for a while. And... You know, the Flyers that year were focused on the fact that we had the number two pick and that's when we picked JBR and everybody was super excited about that. So, you know, we didn't pay attention. But then, you know, lo and behold, a few years later, the Flyers trade Jeff Carter and all of a sudden we have Jake Voracek. So I went back and looked at his selection by Columbus and it is really adorable his mom is ridiculously cute and like looks so proud and you know in all of the sort of pre-pick announcement they were talking about you know he could potentially get picked in this spot but that he had fallen a little bit and that it was weird that he was still available at the seventh pick and you know I just I kind of felt bad for him but then lo and behold he just puts that Jake Voracek smile on and of course it's like pre crazy beard (laughs) nonsense so he just looks so young and adorable and I I just love I loved it yeah he does look like an infant in this um but it was fun to look back and see it's so weird because I'd never think of Jake like this um so it's it was good to see and I think it tied in with our like the theme you know the draft we were exactly today yeah so, and I also just kind of laughing because it's 2007. I mean, it's not like, you know, that long ago, but the board just looks so janky. <laughs> like <laughs> the draft board with all the picks in the background. I'm just like, they really couldn't have made it look nicer. And if you look at the board, you can see, you know, the Flyers had already picked, obviously, and like the way they had to squeeze James Van Riemsdyk into the space was ridiculous. So I got that laugh out of it, too. All right. So thanks for listening to today's show. We'll be back with a full episode Friday. And as a reminder, we want to hear from you. Send us your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers or by email to LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle, and you can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Now tune in to the most recent episode of Locked On NHL, and have a great day.